Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. Wow. Thank you, church. Thank you, Scott. No, I'm good, mate. Honestly, I'm, the, I'm from Darwin, man. I'm the easiest person in the world. It's just even, even Pastor Sherwin. I, very early in our ministry life, I said to my church, Please don't call me. I'm, I'm Sherwin, a servant of God, called to be a pastor. <laughs> and so uh, when I hear that, I'm like, oh, I have to second think myself. That's me. He's talking to me. Oh, okay. What a beautiful church you have here. And I uh, thank you. It's so refreshing and nice just even hearing a church that's just so open about finances and saying, hey, look, this is us. This is what's come in. This is, you know, where it's gone. I'm sure you go through all different things. And, and I just love that about the church. Yes, we are, we, we are currently, um, you know, we fellowship at Dream Builders Church, but we, we've just moved down from Darwin. We've been leading a church there. And, and what I love, you know, in Darwin, the church community had no barriers and borders. Our best friends were, you know, local church pastors of different denominations, and 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 there was such great unity in the church. And I just love hearing, you know, Dream Builders Care Center is doing this, so let's let's partner with that. And, and I'm sure Grace, the, the the word goes out, and churches getting. How many people believe it's time for the walls and the barriers to come down between denominations? Amen. And uh, man, even when you were singing before, what a beautiful church you have. Um, I've come with my wife, Tara. We've been married coming on 18 years. Is that right? I worked it out this morning. I was doing the counts. And, uh, no, that can't be right. No, 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 count again. Oh, my gosh, it is that long. Wowzers. And uh, the, the time just flies, right, doesn't it? I'm just going to hit that. Oh, where are we? I'm just going to hit this on my watch. I've never used this before, but I've got a little stopwatch. Just Oh, there's one on the screen there for me. Look at that. Magic. And uh, I just want to run through a couple of photos of us because there's one child that's not here. Uh, so we've got Phoenix, who is our eldest. We've got Lyric, Steely, and Chili. This was us in Ormiston Gorge? No? Simpsons Gap. This is us in Simpsons Gap. Um, and I'll tell you why I'm, I'm showing these pieces. This is us at Uluru, just in case you didn't recognize the uh, landmark there in the background. Next one through, just, just jump through that. You can just see our family. This is a little spot called Lawn, um, not Lawn Hill, Lorella Springs, right up in the Gulf, a million acres of untouched. This is us in um, Mount Gambia, actually, in a sinkhole. Uh, beautiful little spot. This is us at uh, the Grampians. Dorigo, up in New South Wales. Um, this was a beautiful place called Paranella Park. And let me tell you, if you ever go to tropical North Queensland, you need to visit this place. If you want to be inspired by vision, go to this place and go on the tour and you will be inspired by vision. That's just this, this is the same place, tropical North Queensland. And I think there's maybe one or two more. The Devil's Marbles in the middle of Australia. Um, it's our family there. Uh, South Australia, some kind of rock. I don't know. We saw lots of rocks on our big trip. And I think there's one more. This is us in South Australia. So that's our family. Thank you for welcoming us here. You'll see there, there's a lot of different environments. You know, um, when we were in the Territory, um, there's one thing about Darwin is it has two seasons, right? Wet season and dry season. Is anyone from the tropics or has been in the tropics? or like People just don't understand. You say, no, there's, there's, no, there's not summer. What do you mean it's not summer? There's no, it's not winter. What do you mean it's not winter? No, it's either hot and wet or hot and dry. Either way, you're sweating, right? Either way, you're walking around like this, blowing under your armpits because you've got to... You gotta, um, 
And one of the things that has struck me since moving back to Perth, see, we were there 10 years. One of the things that struck me is just how dry it is here. And I moved back to Perth, and my lips are dry, and my, my sinuses are dry, and, and my, my throat's getting dry as I'm sleeping. I'm thinking, I look out the window, and everything's just dry and dying and dead and barren. And even the green is like gray, right? Your green trees are this army gray kind of, and I'm contrasting that because we just did a five-month trip around, uh, that was our long service leave at the end of our, our, our time, we did a five-month trip around Australia, four kids in the caravan, for how many people is that exciting? For everyone else to say, no thank you, Glen 20 is the key everyone, Glen 20 is the key. Uh, so yeah, so I, I noticed how dry it is in Perth, and, and, and you know the thing about about dryness is we all experience dryness. One of the things in, in Darwin is the dry season is the beautiful time of year. It's balmy, so you know you have your cool day, your cool nights where it would get to eighteen degrees. Yes, that's right, thirty three in the daytime, but beautiful balmy that typical summer's day that you just love, and you hang for that. You're like, come on, dry season. And then it's there for a small window of time, like two and a half months, and then after that, it's just hot and wet, hot and wet, hot and wet, hot and wet, hot and wet all the time. But then the rain comes, and it's beautiful, and it's lush, and it's green, and, and you would hang for this dryness. And, and there's something about dryness that, um, you know, it's particularly when it comes here, and you look out, and you think it's barren, it's, uh, the, the grass is hard, the ground is hard, your throat's dry and sore. I was getting strep throat when I would move here, and, and my throat was so sore. And, and, and there's something about our lives that, you know, we all experience different kinds of seasons like that, right? We all experience seasons where, where, where we come, and, and, and it seems like it, life is fresh, and our faith is, is refreshed and full, and, and God has been reigning in our spirit, but we all experience times in our life, too, where we, we're just dry. And we feel like it hasn't rained for months and months. And we're wondering, what's going on in this dryness? And it was amazing to see the contrast on our travels around Australia. The dryness, and you know, the beauty in it, but the dryness of central Australia and the deserts and, and these places in Simpsons Gap and almost in course, it's just a, a pool of water or, and just the vast dryness that's around the place. And you contrast that with tropical North Queensland where it's just so lush and, and, and rich and, and full of life and green and you walk around and, and you don't know if, if it's raining or if it's just sweaty because the humidity is like a thousand percent and it's like you're breathing in the, the rain. It's amazing. It's amazing. But the place of dryness typically is a, is a place of harshness, this harsh environment. And you look out and you see, man, how does anything survive out here? It's harsh. You know, it's foolish to think that we're always going to be in a place of richness and abundance in our life and in our faith. It's, it's foolish to think that. We're always going to be in a place like that. See, it, when the wet season comes, you know that, the, that it's only going to last for a while. And then the dry season comes, and you, gonna, you know it's only going to last for a while. It's the same with seasons. God has set up creation to operate within seasons. And God works in our life in seasons as well. In Ecclesiastes 3.1 says, There is a time for everything, a season for every activity under the sun. There's a time for different seasons in our life, and, and, and some are good. Sometimes there's seasons of abundance, seasons of, of, of having rich relationship and deep faith and, and blessing and abundance, and some that are not so fun. But God wants to work through, you know, it, 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 Sue, is it? 
Stella, sorry. Oh, no, no, um, we were sharing before about the giving. Alison, sorry, yeah, sorry, Alison. Um, you know, I'm sure that season when you're not knowing where the next meal is coming from, that's not a fun season to be in. But God has purpose in every season, amen? And there are times where, you know, our lives seem to be, it just seems to be hard. It seems to be endless. And where the voice of the Lord seems to be absent. And, and serving feels like a chore. And these places of drought can easily take us out of the race, robbing our faith and cause our hearts to grow callous towards the things of God. Does everyone, can you follow along and experience that, you know, and, and, and can agree with that, that, that there are seasons in our life that are great and full and rich and seasons that are barren and dry and hard. And, you know, we've just kind of come out of an interesting season, a long season, kind of two, two and a half year season. And, and, and all we knew of God was closed door after closed door after closed door. It's an amazing season in our life. And I, and I want to take us to this morning to a passage of Scripture which is really well known. No doubt if you've been in church for more than 10 minutes, you've, you've read through this, you've heard it. But we're going to dive into 1 Kings chapter 18. And so if you brought your Bible, smartphone, why don't you pull it out? We're going to read a little bit of Scripture today. So feel free to pull it out and follow along with me. You know, the background here is there was a drought in Israel for three and a half years. A drought that had been going on for so long. And Queen Jezebel had been killing off all of God's prophets. And so the rest were hiding. You know, there's an interesting thing about that. When, when, when things get dry in our lives, the enemy will try to cut off. The first thing the enemy will try to cut off is the voice of God. And it was so key what Allison was saying. You've got to be able to hear the voice of God and identify and know when God is speaking. And what is His voice? In my life, see, he'll stop you wanting to go, for, go to church. He'll, he'll cause you to lose your love, your passion. And so things were dire and desperate in Israel in this time. And we need to continue to pray for Israel, for Palestine, for, for just the Middle East. We need to, as the church, continue to pray for, for just for God's hand and God's movement in that, that, that realm of our world. Amen. So the drought is taking its toll, and Elijah had been hiding away from the evil king Ahab and his psychopathic wife, Jezebel, right? And she's, you know a crazy woman in your life? She got nothing on this one, right? And so we pick up the story here in 1 Kings 18. Then Elijah, verse 30, sorry. It says, Then Elijah said to all the people, Come here to me. Then it came to him, and he repaired the altar of the Lord, which had been torn down. And Elijah took 12, uh, took 12 stones, one for each of the tribes um, descended from, it, from Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come, saying, Your name shall be Israel. With the two stones he built an altar in the night around it, enough, large enough to hold two seers of seed. That's about, about 14 liters uh, of seed. He arranged the wood and cut the bull into pieces and laid it on the wood. And then he said to them, fill four large jars with water and pour it on the offering and on the wood. Do it again. He said, and they did it again. Do it a third time, he ordered them. And they did it a third time. And the water ran down around the altar and even filled the trench. At the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel. Let it be known today that you are God in Israel and that I am your servant and have done all these things at your command. Answer me, Lord. 
Answer me, Lord, answer me, so that these people will know that you are Lord and uh, so that you, Lord, are God, and that you are turning their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and burned up the sacrifice, the wood, the stones, the soil, and also licked up the water in the trench. When all the people saw this, they fell prostrate and cried, The Lord, He is God, the Lord, He is God. Then Elijah commanded them, Seize the prophets of Baal, and uh, don't let anyone get away. They seized them, and Elijah had them brought down to the Kishon Valley and slaughtered them there. Elijah, and Elijah said to Ahab, Go eat and drink, for there is a sound of heavy rain. So Ahab went off to eat and drink, but Elijah climbed to the top of Carmel, bent down on the ground, put his face between his knees. Go look toward the sea, he told his servant, and he went and looked. There is nothing there, he said. Seven times Elijah said, Go back. And the seventh time, the servant reported, A cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. So Elijah said, go tell Ahab, hitch up your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Meanwhile, the sky grew black with clouds. The wind rose and a heavy, heavy rain started to fall and Ahab rode off to Jezreel. The power of the Lord came on Elijah and tucking in his cloak into his belt, he ran ahead of Ahab all the way to Jezreel. Amazing encounter that happens. And, uh, you know, even as I read that, I think of those tropical storms that would start as a, as a tiny little cloud, like a little, like a little man's fist. And by the afternoon, you've got this huge puffy cloud. And within, you know, within days, it's just, it's just black. And it's just amazing how fast it can form within a day. And all of a sudden, it's pouring down with rain. But four, down with rain. But four things I want to pull out for us this morning, just to encourage you in your faith. Okay, just to encourage you in the seasons that we're in, in the seasons of drought, sometimes that we find ourselves in. This one is this, that we need to stay in communion and communication with God and his people. We need to stay in communion and communication with God and his people. See, in verse 36, it says that at the time of the sacrifice, the prophet Elijah stepped forward and prayed, Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, or Jacob. Let it be known today that you are the God in Israel and that I am your servant. When no one else was around, he was seeking God. When no one else was was around, Elijah kept conversation. He kept communion. He kept in step. He kept in relationship with God. Now, Elijah missed the second part of that, the aspect of staying in connection with God's people. Because in the very next chapter, we, we read about how he's, he's crying out to God, I'm the only one left. And God reminds him, no, there are, I, I've set apart. There, there are still others that, are, that, that haven't bowed down to these false gods. But we need to make sure we stay in connect because it, it could even take out Elijah. It's certainly going to take out us if we, if we get disconnected. Disconnected from God, disconnected from his people. Elijah stepped forward and prayed in the height of the drought. The God is greater than your drought. God is greater than, than your dryness. God is greater than your desert. God is greater than your barrenness. God is greater than these things. And Elijah stepped forward and he prayed in the height of the drought. There are things about God that are greater than your reality. Sometimes all we see, all we, uh, we're, we're overwhelmed with the reality around us and we, we fail to understand that God is greater than, our, than the reality around us, than what we're seeing in our, in our own world uh, with our own eyes. God is greater than that. 
And there are truths that we need to hang on to, truths that we need to cling to in order for us to be carried through the desert. Things, that, things like that God is good and that God is sovereign. Things like uh, realities or truths like God is just. When you feel like you're in a place and, and, and you know, like David was, and you're just getting attacked and attacked, and you're thinking, God, what's going on? Why, why, am I, why is this happening to me? We've got to remember that God is just. For me in this season, it's been as simple as God is. In a, in a journey, in a time in our lives where I feel like, God, where is your justice? And where is your voice? And where is your goodness? And where is your promise? And where is your faithfulness? And where are you, God? Where is your voice? I can't hear you. The one thing that's been, that I've been able to hang on to is that God is. And by His grace, that's been enough to carry me through. Because the enemy wants to take you away. When you're, not, when, when you're in a place of dryness, the enemy wants to come. The first thing we'll cut is, is that, that voice. The, 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 you know, the prophets were the ones that she was trying to take out. God, the enemy wants to cut your ability, your lifeline, your, your umbilical cord. He wants to cut that, that, that off and, and, and see you separated. But we need to hang on to him. And, and just that very reality that God is. You know, I've been, I've been meditating on Hebrews chapter, uh, chapter 6. That this hope is an anchor for our soul. An anchor for our soul. The second thing is we need to keep a soft heart. We need to keep a soft heart for others. See, verse 37, these people will know that you, Lord, are God. And their hearts back again. Now, I don't know about you, but I've read this passage of Scripture time and time again. And every time I read it, uh, the, the bit that sticks out is, you know, Elijah, and he's calling them names, and he's like, oh, where's your God now? And, why are you, why are you? and I just see Elijah mocking all these people that are out there. But every time I read that, that's kind of what I thought, Elijah taking the mickey out of these people. Well, yeah, on the contrary, Elijah was desperate to see the people return to God. Now, he was harsh with those who were robbing the people of the opportunity to hear the Lord and turn back from him. But, but Elijah had a heart for these people that were lost, that were misled. And he's saying, God, let, let them see you and turn back to you. There are people all around us who are lost, who are looking for hope, who are looking for meaning, looking for salvation, and ultimately looking for God. And there is also a spirit in our age that is killing off the word of the Lord. And it's at work through people trying to shut up the church, trying to shut off the truth. And it needs to be slaughtered in prayer. See, our wrestle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the spirit realm. And we need to seek God for those who are seeking God. Because they are out there. And contrary to what you might hear, see, the, the voice of those who, who, who are mocking, trying to shut off the voice, their voice might be the loudest, but it's not the only voice out there. There are voices out there, maybe drowned out by those voices, who are seeking God, who are seeking truth, who are seeking hope, who are, who are seeking life, who are seeking, and they don't know what they're looking for, and we do. 
And in prayer, we need to be the ones like Elijah who are slaughtering these voices in prayer and seeking out these ones and listening out for these ones, for these voices that are wanting to turn to God. See, not everyone is anti-God or anti-Christian. It's just that those who are often have a louder voice. And Elijah faced the prophets of Baal with a, who had a loud, louder voice and seemed like that overwhelming majority. But that simply wasn't the case. Simply wasn't the case. There were a few prophets that he was able to take down and then deal with it. But the overwhelming majority were people wanting to seek God, wanting to turn back to him. There was a whole nation of people who God was turning their hearts back to himself. When we're in a place of dryness, we can easily grow callous toward people and lose our love for them. Can anyone relate to that? You might not want to put your hand up, but you know, when you're in a place of when you're in a place of dryness, right? When you when you when you haven't been connecting with God, what's the first thing that drives you? Oh, that person's just driving me crazy. It's because we don't have the heart of God. The heart of God in us. The dryness will cause us to grow callous toward people, and we get frustrated and angry and short with people. God wants to grace you with His grace for others. It's to grace you with his grace for others. It's to refresh your soul so that you can be a refreshing to others. It's to reign in your world so that you can bring fruit for others. It's interesting when a, when a tree really, really dries out and it starts to get hard and the leaves drop off. It starts to almost become thorny, you know, and prickly. The same thing happens with us. When we're in a place of Christ, we can easily become prickly and thorny for, to people around us. We get callous and we lose our love for them. You know, you ever thought, well, you know, I love God, but all these people are just oh, pulling my hair out. Maybe it's just me that experienced that. I don't know. I know for me, in a place of, of dryness, I get short, I get frustrated at people. And, and the desert can do that so easily. You know, you grow cynical and judgmental. And, 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 that, and that's, that's what happens. If you ever notice yourself thinking that way, it's important to, to, to ask yourself, to come back, uh, how, how, is my, how is my relationship with God? Where am I at with Him? Because that's a clear sign. When you're getting short with people or, or, or grouchy, that's a clear sign of, oh, I'm not staying connected to the one who loves unconditionally in Luke chapter 4 Jesus is led into the desert where he was tempted and you know even Jesus had a season in the desert no food no water 40 days and yet he comes out and the first thing that he reads when he comes out from the scroll of Isaiah he declares the spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoner Jesus, in his place of desert, I mean, can you imagine coming out, you're hungry, you're, you're thirsty, you're, you, you just feel so, and yet Jesus stayed connected even in the place of desert, that he would come out of that place and just want to love people, and just want to give himself to people, and just want to bless people and, and, and see people. He came out of that, that desert straight into a place of serving people and thinking of others. The third thing is this, that when we find ourselves in a place of desert or a place of dryness, and in verse 40 it says this, then sorry, is that we need to deal with the idols in our life. Verse 40 says, then Elijah commanded them, seize the prophets of Baal. 
Don't let anyone get away. And they seized them. And Elijah had them brought down to the valley, to the Kishon Valley, and slaughtered them there. Now, this may seem really harsh, but Elijah was right to purge the idol worship out of Israel. He dealt with those who were leading the people into idolatry, into pagan worship, and ultimately a rejection of God. He, he, didn't, he didn't deal harshly with those who were lost. Rather, he saw God work in them. And Jesus was the same. He dealt harshly with the Pharisees. He dealt harshly with the people who were leading the, 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 the God's people away and, and, and denying them from hearing his voice and leading them away from God. Jesus dealt with that harshly, yet he was gentle in his approach to, to the others. And we need to drive out the things in our lives that turn our heart away from God. We don't come alongside them and say, oh, you know, maybe we can, we can cohabitate in this together. No, we need to slaughter the things that are in our life that are causing us to turn away from God. We need to slaughter those things. You can't, you can't live in the same world with sin and Christ, with the Holy Spirit and the flesh. They, they're in contrast, they're in contradiction to one another. And the things in our flesh that are stopping us, the sin in our world that is stopping us from, from walking with the Lord, from being close with Him, we've got to be aggressive with that stuff. We've got to attack that stuff. We've got to be like Elijah and be merciless with it and put it to death. Not thinking we can cohabitate with it. We need to drive out the things in our lives that turn our heart away from the Lord. We all have stuff in our heart that we, need to lead, that we need to lead into that Kishon Valley and put down. Slaughter it there. Maybe it's a habit. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe it's a hurt or an offense that's, that, that you're just holding on to that, that draws and, and takes so much focus and attention that it's becoming an idol in your world. Distracting you. Maybe it's a thing. A desire for money, stuff, maybe it's laziness, apathy. And it's stealing and it's robbing your faith of fresh rain that God wants to pour out upon you. you know, if we're going to be the people of God, disciples of Christ, then we need to live a lush, faithful Christianity. And we've got to kill the idols in our lives. We, we kill our idols by giving them to God. We kill the idol of offense by forgiving got an idol of offense in your, in your heart, you kill, you slaughter that idol by forgiving. The idol of stuff, we kill it by giving. Being generous kills the, the, the love, the idol of money. By being ger generous, we kill a bad, stinking attitude by serving in humility. By being humble and We've got to kill the idols in our life. And this is an aspect, this is a proactive move. See, killing idols is, is not a defensive thing. You've got to be proactive. You've got to, you've got to get off your butt. You've got to put aside the social media. You're going to say, I'm going to get serious about this. And I'm going to kill the idol. And you might need to bring people into your world, someone close to you, and say, you know, I, I need your help in this because I've got an idol in my life and I need it slaughtered. And I can't kill it by myself. We got to, it's a, it, it requires action on our part, and it's a proactive spiritual offensive move. And the last one is this. Number four, we need to persevere. We need to persevere. We need to remain faithful. 
See, verse 43 says, Go and look toward the sea, he told his servant. And he went up and he looked. There's nothing there. There's nothing there, Elijah. Go and look again. Servant goes, servant comes. There's nothing there. Elijah says, Go and look again. The servant goes. Servant comes. There's nothing there. Seven times. This servant's thinking, I thought Jezebel, Jezebel was the crazy one. Now the guy that I'm... Are you nuts? Like it's been three and a half years. You're mad. Mate, there's no rain. <laughs> we live in the desert. Can you not see? And the seventh time the servant reported a cloud as small as a man's hand is rising from the sea. Three and a half years of drought. And Elijah remained faithful in the height of the drought. He saw, the, he, saw in, he saw in faith the impossible. See, Noah built an ark when there was no sign of water. Abraham, Abraham believed uh, for the baby when there was no sign of pregnancy. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and an assurance about what we do not see. And I want to ask you this morning, what do you see in your place of dryness? What do you see in your dry marriage? What do you see in your broken relationship? What do you see? In your lack of finance, what do you see? Your drought may be in your marriage. Maybe it's been years of hard, dry conditions and you feel like the enemy is killing you off. I want to encourage you this morning. Keep a soft heart for others. Kill the idols. Remain faithful. Maybe your, your drought is, is in your singleness or, or it's in your ambition or uh, it's in your, you know, you, you might just have a lack in drought. Maybe your drought, we can have drought in all sorts of different areas in our life, all sorts of different relationships, all sorts of places in our mind we can have drought, places in our heart we can have drought. What do you see? Go back and look out toward the sea. I want to ask you this morning, what do you see? And I wonder, will you stand with me this morning, church? And Graham, you can come, mate. That'd be fantastic. What if you are to the body of Christ? Does this man play beautiful keys? You know, as we stand here in this place, and I recognize that there are so many people here, we all have different, we're all in different places. But as we just stand here in this moment and we search our hearts and we say to the Lord, the Holy Spirit, search my heart, O oh God. And we question ourselves and we challenge ourselves and we say, well, where am I at? Are you in a place of overwhelming hearing from the Lord? You're just flooded or you're in a place of dryness? Are you in a place of God is wanting to sprout something new. We all have different seasons.
We've all been through moments in our life where we've we've known the dryness of a season where we just feel far and distant. I want to encourage you this morning, go back to the sea. Maybe you've come here this morning and you're in a place and and you're like, you know what, I'm going to give this God thing one more shot. But really, it's been three and a half years of no rain. Is there anything to it? I don't even know anymore. God is. God is, therefore I am. I can be. Because God is. And you might not know in this season His voice, His justice, His provision. I'm not going to come to you and say, God will always provide everything you need all the time. Come on, let's be real, church. Sometimes things happen in our life and you're like, but I'm a Christian. It's not supposed to. What happens when God doesn't answer your prayer? What happens when God doesn't come through on his promise? What what happens when there's a mismatch between what I know of God and what my circumstances are? It's time for the church to get real. We hold on to the truth that God is. And this hope is an anchor for my soul. And the storm of life will not lift it out, not cause me to drift away. I'm going to hold on to with everything that I have. Maybe it's in your faith. Go back and look out toward the sea. What do you see? Maybe it's in your relationship with God. Go back and look out toward the sea. What do you see? Maybe it's in your marriage. What do you see? You feel like there's no prophets left. What do you see? You feel like there's no voice speaking. What do you see? What do you see? I see a cloud. I see a cloud. I see a cloud over your life. I see a cloud over this church. I see a cloud over the community. I see a cloud over the church, Christ Church, capital C, where we look around and we think, oh my gosh, it's fallen apart. We understand and we recognize that it's Christ's church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. What do you see? Come on, we look with the eyes of faith. 
We hang on to him. Father, I pray for a people. Maybe that's you this morning. Just lift up your hands and say, God, I want to see again. I want to see over the barrenness in my life. I want to see over the dryness of the season that I'm in. I want to see over this time, over this, this lack that I have. I want to see beyond this offense, beyond this hurt, beyond this pain, beyond this lack. I want to see. I pray for you right now in the Holy Spirit. That your eyes would be open the way that Elijah's eyes were open to see the vastness of God's army sitting on the hill, standing on a hill, ready to fight on their behalf. That he would say to his servant, open his eyes and the servant would see the chariots of the living God. What do you see? Lord, open my eyes to see. Open their eyes to see. And that if all they see is this, it would be enough. It's Christ and Him crucified. And Him seated at the right hand of God who is. Let that hope be an anchor for our souls. Let that hope be an anchor in the midst of a sea, in, a, in the midst of a world that is in turmoil. Let that hope be, a, be an anchor for the, for the young one who is in a schooling environment where they're just bombarded every day with, with a Christianless environment, God, with, a, with an anti-God environment, God, for the one who's in a workplace going week after week, day after day, in an environment where they're bombarded by waves that would try to knock them out of their ship. Look, that be an anchor for their soul. In Jesus' name I pray. For the one who's in a marriage right now, who cannot see what once was. Early days of love and joy and richness. God, I pray that you would be the answer. That you would be the hope. And that there would be a change of season that's coming. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.